welcome back to a brand new season of Opera Omnia, the podcast that works season by season through a filmmaker's full filmography, their Opera Omnia, if you will. This is season number four, a shorter season, but shorter for a reason. Um, it's packing some, some heat on this one as we turn our attention in season four to British filmmaker and author Alex Garland. Joining me for the entire season as we do every single season we get a resident guest host in here is my good buddy and one of the the many voices you'll hear over on the 22 shots of moods and horror is of course the phenomenal jp how's it going buddy hey dude i am very glad to be here uh this is an interesting series you got going on as as all of your series are very interesting uh you definitely think outside the box when you come up with stuff but yeah i'm glad to be here thanks for the invite I am I am super curious on this one because I knew before before kind of pitching this to you, I knew that you'd seen at least one of these movies and you rated it really highly. So I knew that you'd seen Annihilation, you really liked Annihilation because on summer series, on podcasts under the stairs, that was a movie you were pushing for that year that it came out. So I was like, he's in. He's in. I, I know I have his attention. <laughs> and he's obviously released Men this year, which has been a hugely divisive, polarising movie, surprise, surprise, by the studio A24, that does movies that everyone loves. Um, so the, like, he's had his new movie out there, but what a lot of people may not know is he actually started his career with A24 and the movie we're discussing right here. But Alex Garland, as a director, is just a super fucking interesting dude. He originally started in the, in the world of books, um, probably most notable uh, in kind of literary terms as the guy that wrote the the book The Beach, which then was adapted into a movie by Danny Boyle, um, starring Leonardo DiCaprio, and it, it kind of put him on the map. And then you would think, well, he's done one good thing. He's obviously not done anything else. No, no, no. He then went on to do screenplays for 20 Days Later which, you know, that, that that did all right. He did Sunshine, which is also a Danny Ball movie, which is woefully underseen. It's fucking great. Um, oh, yeah, he also did Dread, um, the Judge Dread, like, re-kind of calibration, retelling movie, which everyone fucking loved. Uh, yeah, so he's he's been a busy guy. Then he did movies. <laughs> he's done three movies. He's got a fourth one in production. He's done stuff in TV as well. He is the grandchild of legit Nobel Prize winning scientists <laughs> so, um, so yeah he's a he's an interesting dude um, I get the feeling that's maybe why he's movies themselves he's, I think he he studied art at university so he also has an art background which makes a lot of sense when you look at his movies but um, so yeah he's a, he's a super interesting dude but he has three movies that we're going to be discussing over the next three episodes we're going to be doing in this episode here his film debut um ex machina uh, the second will be annihilation and his third will be his new movie men on top of that jp if that wasn't enough when you come on this show you're signing a contract verbally for future movies Essentially, yeah. Every movie this guy <laughs> now released, you will come back and do an addendum episode where we will posit the same question. We've seen the new Alex Garland movie. Do we think it's his best? And that's it. There can be only one at the top of the table. There's none of this, well, I'm torn between two movies. Oh, no, no, no. There's one seat and only his best movie, in our opinion, can sit in that seat. So no grades, no having to worry about that. It's just a simple question at the end of each episode. Is the best Alex Garland movie the movie we've just discussed, or is it one we've already discussed? Um, so you came in on Annihilation. Were you aware that he had that background before that, or was it a case of very much like yourself, um, we, we kind of follow the horror news, and Annihilation was getting a ton of buzz when it came out? So uh, this filmmaker, I didn't really know anything about him mm. until Men came out. Oh. Uh, then I'm like, oh, this is the guy that did Annihilation. Yeah. Um, I had never, and for whatever reason, I had heard of Ex Machina, but I never knew that it was this guy. And I never was interested in that movie. I guess e even though 
watching the movie, it is kind of a dark film. Mm -hmm. So it does sort of lend itself to the horror crowd. Yeah. Um, But it kind of also came out early enough to where I wasn't really checking out everything that was coming out too. Yeah. Um, So yeah, it just kind of completely missed. I I didn't really know anything about this going into it. Um, So that was really an interesting experience. Yeah, it did really well. That was the thing at the time. It did really well, but didn't necessarily do well in our circles, if you know what I mean. It is a mm-hmm. sci-fi movie at its core. I know people out there are like, well, Annihilation's a sci-fi movie, and you are right, but that one certainly leans more into the horror than this one does. And mm-hmm. really, the, the realm of dread here is the, ultimately the fear of technology to an extent, or the fear mm-hmm. in which we are making progress. But I wouldn't say at any point am I watching this movie like full of dread if that makes sense <laughs> like I'm not wanting right, to watch right. this go like that oh my phone's listening to me I better switch off this Alexa you know what I mean I've never liked that watching this movie but you can tell he's got a, he's got a background in it like so it surprised me when men came out and they were like Alex Garland's making his first horror movie and I'm like well, <laughs> I'm like no he's, he's written horror movies and he has made them before like, I, I, mm-hmm. It just it always always confuses me where people are like, no, this is the, this is the movie, this is the movie that sees horror movie. And I'm like, oh no, no, he's done. He's done. There's stuff there. You know, I don't know if we want to look at any of them, but he, he's been he's been prolific in there. The thing about Ex Machina as well is, I like for my sins, I'm a huge sci-fi fan. Um, I was probably a sci-fi fan before I was a horror fan. Like growing up, I was you know very much into Star Wars, Star Trek. Um, I remember sitting watching things like even at an early age watching movies like 2001 A Space Odyssey and just be like this is amazing um, so like I've always had like a finger in sci-fi um, I, but I'm also supremely critical of sci-fi more than I am horror I will let shit slide in horror like, like very bit like why are they running upstairs when they can be running at the door and I'm like come on let's just relax here and sit back and enjoy the fun um, and sci-fi I I I can be too critical, like if plot points don't make sense, like special movies that deal with time travel, um, right, and, and right. the sci-fi world, I'm just like this, done, like this is just all falling apart now. Like as soon as I find that one detail, I'm like, oh, well, this movie's is ruined. Um, and I think that's why Ex Machina, when it landed, landed so strong with me because it's made like on a relatively low budget. This was not a big budget movie, and it deals with huge ideas in a mm-hmm. small confine and it does it in a surprisingly non-finger-wagging sort of way. Like, I don't think mm-hmm. at any point is Alex Garland saying, "This we're all doomed, <laughs> we're all fucking doomed, the machines are coming. But at the same time, there is an element of, you know, how he talks about, and we'll get more into it in the film review, but how he talks about how the, 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 the kind of mining of data, which is a huge issue now, wasn't in 2014, but like this idea of yeah you're using a search engine and some some companies are taking that search engine information and they're going oh well GP likes Cheetos right so we're just going to bombard mm-hmm. these fucking Facebook feed with ads for Cheetos but there right. are other companies out there that's like that oh GP shops for things at this time which means he doesn't work at this time which means he's more likely to buy things at this time how much disposable income does he have he spends a lot of money on blue like it just like ultimately <laughs> breaks down and your data is there, and it, like companies can mine that, and then they can build a very scary profile of you yeah. based on that. Which was just not like I think about the glory days of twenty fourteen, um, <laughs> if we can call them that. I don't think I was thinking about that, but I don't even think I was like fully aware that like, even Facebook wasn't as nefarious as it is now. I wasn't aware that companies were selling my data off. So it's kind of weird. To yeah, think that he right. Was ahead on that, you know what I mean? It was really kind of. And that's what sci-fi does. Sci-fi makes you think about things that are possible and most times they become possible. Well, that's the thing about like sci-fi in general. You were saying how like you could be very critical Mm. of it, but I feel that whenever a sci-fi film is much closer instead of like science fiction to science fact, (laughs) that's where it gets like, wow. Yeah. And, And this guy's, a lot of this stuff in here doesn't feel like fiction, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> it feels like future. Yeah, yeah, it does. And I think I think that's where most of its accolades came in. Like most of its praise came in about how surprisingly grounded it is for a movie that's dealing with the future. 
Um, and that's a testament. I think that the smart writers are the ones that can foresee trends going a particular way and put their own spin on it. I think that's why, and I'm, I'm not as keen a watcher as I used to be, but that's why TV shows like Black Mirror do so well. Because what mm -hmm. they do is they pot it something that, as a society, is maybe one the next step of something if we don't course check ourselves or ask ourselves a question um you know why are we doing this and if we keep doing this does this lead to this um that's where the best ideas kind of like you see those science fiction ones the ones that resonate the best are the ones that we can foresee as being possible as opposed to the ones where we're like that'll never fucking happen you know like men living on saturn i can't see that ever happening <laughs> but you know like the, the idea of well you know maybe maybe a machine just gets too clever and just decides that you know the person that's programming him is a bit of a dick and it's, it's gonna gonna sort him out or it's just gonna decide that like all this particular part of the internet shouldn't exist anymore so it doesn't exist anymore um that that side of things is super super interesting and i think he's always in every movie does he deals with a concept on on some level big or small um, which was once again one of those things where like men and I can't wait to get to that episode but when people were like that he's being kind of preachy and I'm like well is he <laughs> like, is he being preachy or is he just exploring an idea because those are two very different things um, so yeah I, I don't know we'll, we'll see where we land with this one but essentially this is your this is your job now your job for the next three episodes is to sit and have these weird conversations with me over the background of, of Alex Garland movies and then be posed a simple question at the end and then be called for service <laughs> like whenever he releases mm -hmm. a new movie of which I believe he's got one coming out next year via A24 as well so uh, you'll be back maybe sooner than you think other hosts have done similar duty Bo Ransdell hasn't been called up yet um, I know that our good buddy Watson will be to not only discuss In the Earth for Ben Wheatley but also next year the Meg 2 because um, <laughs> Ben Whitley's doing that I didn't that even movie. know he was attached to that <laughs> he's directed it it's finished <laughs> like, oh wow yeah now that's, that's one of those ones where you're like one of these things isn't like the other let's see <laughs> right, kill right. list high rise the Meg 2 um, and yeah our buddy uh, Richard Glenn Smith will be coming on before the end of the year to talk about uh, Flux Gourmet the new movie by Peter Strickland which is available on Shudder right now if people want to go away and check that one out so what we're going to do JP is we're going to take a very short break um, the listeners out there are going to hear the trailer for Ex Machina and when we get back we're going to be discussing it right after this same way we look at fossils. Hello. How do you feel about her? Oh man, she's amazing. You're impressed? <laughs> yes. Do you want to be my friend? Of course. Now the question is, how does she feel about you? Do you think about me when we are together? Did you give her sexuality as a diversion tactic? This is your insecurity talking. This is not your intellect. Fine. Did you know that I was brought here to test you? <laughs> Does Ava actually like you? Or is she pretending to like you? Nathan, isn't your friend We're wrong? Wrong about what? Everything. Do you want to be with me? Can we talk about the lies you've been spinning me? What lies? What lies? You have to help me. You have to help me. What will happen to me if I fail your test? And 
friends, welcome back ladies and gents. So you've just heard the trailer for Ex Machina. This movie came out in 2014. It is the directorial feature length movie debut of Alex Garland who also wrote the story as well. Relatively limited cast here. Alicia Vikander, uh, Doomhall Gleason. Although I think that's not how you pronounce that but I do love the idea of someone being called Doomhall. Sounds like, like the place that you go and fucking carve up other people in Viking society. Uh, Oscar Isaac and his magnificent beard, separate villain. Uh, and Suonya Min Minzu, I think. Mizu, I think they pronounce that. Everyone else is just basically nothing in this movie, so we're not going to spend any time on that. As we're saying, the IMDb synopsis, nice, concise, and right to the point. A young programmer is selected to pursue participate in a groundbreaking experiment in synthetic intelligence by evaluating the human qualities of a highly advanced humanoid AI. Um, and that is basically what this movie is about. Of course it tweaks in other places but that's essentially what the movie's about. Um, breaking it down to, to very simple terms here. Uh, Gleason is a computer programmer who works for a company that builds in this movie's universe, Google, essentially, it's a search engine, um, but it's the biggest search engine that does like 94% of the traffic worldwide, so maybe slightly bigger than Google. Um, he's a programmer, he's brought in to work on an undisclosed project with the founder and CEO and general lush man that is Oscar Isaac, who, you know, gets mm -hmm. over a hangover by boxing. I mean, not lying in his bed weeping like I do, uh, which like, <laughs> put me to shame. Um, but he's been working on this top secret project. Um, Gleason is only ever given little drips and drabs of information. And as the movie goes on, we find that the drips and drabs of information he gets are actually maybe not necessarily true, more so from all sides in this movie. Um, and yeah, he's brought in to do what's known as the Turing experiment which is when you chat to artificial intelligence and AI will only pass as sentient at the end of it if at the end of the conversation or interactions you forget that you were dealing with a machine and you think you're dealing with a person. Um, but there's more going on. There's more afoot here than, than seems like... Uh, originally divisible by the eye as uh, he finds out that maybe the man that's brought him here has ulterior motives and maybe the machine he's talking to uh, isn't what he thinks it is. What's really interesting about this one is this predates by I think it's two and a half years Westworld the TV show um, which weirdly is very similar <laughs> like I know Westworld came before um, but the TV show adaptation uh, very fucking similar to this. Like, very, very, very similar to the idea of what what is sentience in a machine and at what point do you become a captor if you are detaining the thing that has sentient life. Um, another thing to, like, consider in this one as well is just because the movie says the machine has life doesn't necessarily, like, never at any point actually says that it does. It says that it's past the confines of the experiment, but that doesn't mm -hmm. answer anything which i kind of love like I, I don't want a movie to go out in the end and say well here are the machines taken like right. <laughs> humanity's fucked you know what i mean I, 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 I doesn't need to go that far but at the same time the time you spend with um with ava uh in this movie you i found myself forgetting she's a machine which i think is the, the charm of the movie i'm curious because this was a first time watch for you um how mm -hmm. did you get on with this well, first of all, I, I just thought it was incredibly interesting right away. Mm. And as as the film went on, I thought it was more and more interesting. Mm -hmm. And it sort of made me realize how much I like sci-fi when it's done well. Yeah. <laughs> and I didn't realize I was a big sci-fi fan and, and wanted to see more good sci-fi movies until i was like watching this and thinking about it i was like i really really get invested in good sci-fi films mm -hmm. but i don't really seek them out yeah and it made me realize like i i like these kind of films and i think that you know as i finished the film i instantly went to like google and was like re like reading stuff about uh the film theories uh the director mm -hmm um his his feeling on on movies which i i really like where his headspace is at yeah with like how he makes movies and it just sort of reaffirmed what i felt 
already about him whenever i after seeing three of his films i'm like okay this guy is making the kind of movies that i want to see and just sort of doing research into into the film a little bit helped me understand it a little bit more and that's always a sign of a good movie is whenever i finish it i i'm start googling things yes yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> the phone's right up and you're like i need to find out what the fuck is going on here yeah i'm, I'm, I'm the same i'm exactly the same I, i've forgotten the amount of times like something just clicks with me in a movie and i'm like oh see when this finishes i'm going down the rabbit hole <laughs> like, mm-hmm. can't, i can't fucking wait um so yeah so like coming into this one even the, the thing i love about it is it does ask, and we've said this before, it does ask lofty questions mm-hmm. of the audience, but it doesn't necessarily go out its way to answer any of them. And if anything, mm-hmm. it makes... The interesting thing about the movie is you are, in some respects, for the majority of the movie, in the same quandary that Gleason is as a character, and that you are observing these interactions, or maybe even to an extent the movie forces you to be one of two people. It forces you either to be the Oscar Isaacs character or the Gleason character in that you either look at this from the perspective of look at the advancements that we're doing, but ultimately it's a machine. Um, or you're at the Gleason side of the, the audience spectrum and that you're watching this and you are infatuated and enthralled by the discovery of what feels like new life and new love. Um mm-hmm. Which I think, I think you know, I, I like this idea that the audience might be split down the middle of people just looking at it going like that, well, this isn't going to end well. And the other, half, the other half having this kind of optimistic, you know, like, I don't want to see her get hit by the man wielding the, the bit of the dumbbell at the end of this movie. I kind of want to see her survive, even though we know, like, or you maybe don't know until about, what, like, about less than three minutes later, she's going to... She's going to lock him to his death. Like, like Gleason doesn't survive at the end of this movie. Um, like he's going to be locked in that that space, presumably to die. Um, and she's just going to go on because she has outsmarted, played him to get her release. So I kind of like this idea of two positions. What position were you in? Like, did you did you have a, a firm view of I want to see this robot? get out or were you like that this is the end of humanity it was the weirdest thing (laughs) like as i thought about this after the movie and i was reading some of the people online talk about the ending Mm -hmm. and a lot of people were saying how it it sounded like they were coming from the point of view of uh the lead male yep and i was like I was like, I thought I was too, but then like their opinions were differing from mine because I realized that I was looking at the film eventually from the point of view of the, of Ava yeah. because in like, and it's kind of nuts to think about, but um, at a certain point you, you realize like, okay, this is beyond just a computer program, right? Yeah. Like this is this, I, like I'm, convinced that this thing has is like a sentient being at this point Mm -hmm. and in that situation it adds a lot of moral complexity to it because you're sort of like okay is this something that does that deserves to be free you Mm -hmm. know what i mean and from the point of view of her like if she feels like she's being captured or you know just like the the what what she says in the film like um you know do you fear that someone's going to come and switch you off or whatever and she's like well why do i have to then you know what i mean and it, it sort of adds all these questions to it so by the end of it i looked at it like it almost proved that she was not ai but actually a um beyond that right like like the 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 whole reason why he's there it actually proves it in the end in the way that or it doesn't because it you could look at it as like pure (laughs) manipulation right but at the same time it's it almost looks it, it you could take it as the the will to the the will to survive and to be free you know what i mean which mm. is different it, it's very interesting and i went back and forth with it a, a lot and 
I, I did read that the director, and this is the stuff that I love, like he flat out said, and that whole thing with the painting and the, mm-hmm. the, that metaphor is literally like a metaphor for how he makes movies Yeah, where he just sort of lets the movie make itself in a way, you know what I mean? He lets his hands go free with in between like random and, and whatever the quote was there. But, um, and, and he said flat out that, you know, he doesn't answer all the questions, but he raises questions and it's sort of up to the audience to decide, 100%. but I, I was so like back and forth on, on the whole idea of it. And it's so interesting. Yeah. And it I, makes you think it really does. I think that's the beauty of, I've said it before. I, 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 I have a, there's a time, there's that great meme. I re, I reference it all the time where it's like that, you know, would you rather be the person who likes the arty movie or the person that likes like slip away camp too? Um, and I'm like, you can be both. Like, I can, oh my I, god, I'm so glad you said that because I say that all the time. I mean, I, I love sleepaway camp, but yeah, I love this stuff too. Well, like, I don't understand. It's it's a mood thing. Like, like sometimes all I want to do is switch my brain off and watch something that I know for a fact is gonna fucking entertain me. I'm the guy that talks. I think I've I've reviewed pieces on more podcasts than ever. And it is like that movie is dumber than a bag of rocks, and it's, it's, it's like it's, it's, it's a terribly made movie. But by God, is it just comforting for me? And I, I love that shit. But then I also like movies that will like occupy a space in my brain for a week, you know, rent free, just in there, just going. But what about this, Duncan? But what about this, Duncan? Did you consider this? And Ex Machina is that because you're right in a lot of respects here. As soon as you believe that she is sentient. Um, and her AI is like actual is this proper artificial intelligence. At that point, she should be free. Like there should be no qualms about this. You have you have captured a sentient being for study, and that's repugnant. You know, we we, we don't we wouldn't we shouldn't allow it on humans. So like, right. like on that level, she should be free. But then there's the other is the the quandary with the the chess conversation. Where he's like, well, a chess computer, just because a chess computer can beat a grandmaster at chess doesn't mean it's anything more than a chess computer. It's programmed mathematically with all the moves and all the computations for chess. But mm-hmm. could a chess computer drive a car? Probably not. Um, so is, is that level, it's more than just, is it designed in one facet? And the argument that she's using manipulation as a tool to get out because she's programmed to manipulate based on people's conversations and internet research. She's she can read people. She knows when they're lying, so that gives her the ability to to better lie to get out. Um, mm-hmm. Altman there is part of programming, and that's not artificial intelligence, but it's it's more than the sum of that. It's the way she does it. It's a, it's not just she puts one line. She tailors her lie um, and her truth in the right directions at the right time and then ultimately gets to a position at the end when she is free um it's like it's the conversation you mentioned before about being turned off or switched off or if if you know if you if that's not going to happen to you then what right do you have to do this to me and there is no strange irony at all in this that at the end of the movie she kills her creator and dooms her, you know, her, 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 her sparring partner and, and, and words are, you know, our evaluator, she dooms him as well. Thus, she has the power to switch both them off. Um, you know what I mean? It's the, it's the creator arm of the movie, which I find hugely fascinating. Um, and also the fact that you, you have these two distinct personalities here with Oscar Isaacs approaching this very much as this guy that's like look at what look at what i've created like it's, it's right down to the the small nuances and the fact that whenever uh, gleason quotes someone else quoting something he says that he's quoting it he deliberately does it wrong and he even admits <laughs> later on that he knows he's doing it wrong but he deliberately does it wrong but then he mishears things as well like the the line where he says you know it's not just that you've created the greatest scientific invention of all time but you you've you've become like you you've become you've gained the power of god and then what five minutes later he's like yeah it was like that thing that you, he said you got you, you called, called me god. god and he's like that's i don't think that's what i said but he's like yeah that's what you said like, that's what that's what's going to be in the book you know what i mean is you call me god 
Um, and it's that like, but that, that's his character. His character mm-hmm. looks at things from a godlike position of these are my creations. And when you see that video later on in the movie of the different iterations of what he has done, so there's nothing more tragic than the repeated phrases of the kind of naked Asian woman who's basically saying, you know, set me free, set me free, let me go, let me go. And then you see her essentially bashing the walls to the point that her arms are destroyed because that's how determined she is to be free. Yeah. Um, it's, you know, and, and like that, you see that on that level. And then when you see what Ava does to escape, it's much more subtle, obviously, for her to, to, to get out of the property. But when you've experienced that trauma of the previous version of Ava trying to get out and then you see her trying to get out and then you're like, well, yeah, that means that much to them. I also love that the, the, such a such a fucking clever choice as well that the, the final shot of this movie isn't, you know, Ava like out on some busy, you know, cross crossway where there's lots of people, people watching like she says that that's what she wants to do. It's the mm-hmm. sins of people, and it's her silhouette. Uh, cause, and that's, I don't need that shot. I don't need her standing in Tokyo at that <laughs> junction where there's like 10 junctions and all the people, and she's there. I, like, I don't need that scene. It's much more effective to let me not know where she is in the world. She's somewhere, um, and mm-hmm. I see her silhouette, but that's all I see. Um, I, it's just, it's such a fucking, he's such a good filmmaker. It's frustratingly right. good, you know what I mean? It's frustratingly good because. Like, nothing more in my being wants to watch a movie like this and go, oh, well, he didn't answer this question. And that should infuriate me. He asked, like you said, he asked questions all the way through it. At what point do we even... There's a, there's a point where he has um, Gleason sitting beside him and Gleason's like, you know, you clearly did it this way. You know, I mean, you the, the the brain must work. And you must have programmed it this way with this algorithm to do this and things like that. And that's not what I want from you. What I want from you is, what do you think? And he's like, yeah, well, this is fucking awesome. And he's like, that's what I want to hear. So he wants it right. at base level. But, but there's an exchange with him later on where... <laughs> Where Gleason's breaking down everything, he's like, "Nah, you're being, you know, you're being too emotional. You're being too emotional." And that's when he takes him to the painting, and then does the, you know, the Picasso painted a particular way, where he closed his brain off, and you know, he didn't think of anything. He let the paintbrush do the the actions. And um, what would happen if he overthought it? And he's like, "Well, you know, he wouldn't have painted a thing." And he's like, "There's my brainiac." I'm like, "So what version of this guy?" He's, he's always playing him constantly through the movie. What version of this guy do you want? Do you want the guy that's like, well, this is fucking cool and goes from an emotional point of view? Or are you wanting the guy that comes in from the clinical brainy point of view? He's so dismissive of him like, <laughs> when he's like that. He's like, uh, he's like, yeah, I didn't choose you because you were the best programmer. I mean, you're you're an okay programmer. Yeah, I mean, you're, yeah. you're well, fine. <laughs> that's the thing about him too is, is the way he acts, you let your guard down and you forget like, this guy's smart as hell. He so created smart. this thing, right? Like, so because the way he acts, you know, the drinking, like just the way he is, you sort of let your guard down. And yep. even the, the, the lead character does too, where he thinks he can, he thinks he's outsmarting him or, you know, he thinks he thinks he's his he's, friend. Right. You yeah. Know what I mean, this is it's like, very... he, I'm his buddy. You know what I mean? He signs a contract with him. Like, after saying, I think I should need a lawyer. And he's like, you don't need a lawyer. You want to be in the precipice of the greatest scientific discovery or not. And he instantly <laughs> signs a contract. That's why right. he's there. Because he's he's, manipula- he's easily manipulated. And it's there from mm-hmm. the very fucking start. He is so easily manipulated. He's manipulated into signing a contract right at the start. He's manipulated into thinking he's a friend. And the machine ultimately, ultimately manipulates him. And that he says that, you know, you were brought in here to see... The test, the test experiment here was to like the the level of whether she was conscious or not was to see if she could manipulate you in such a way that you would help her escape. Yeah, and, you know she's really? a rat in a maze, and you're you're the only escape. You know. Yeah, yeah, it's so clever. It's like, but it's telegraphed all the way through the movie, like right from right from the start. It's all there. It's like right there from the beginning. Um, I love the point where he's like, he's like, I, th- I think you're losing it, buddy. And he's like, no, I'm not, I'm not losing. It. He's like that. I literally saw you cut into your arm last night with a razor blade um, <laughs> to see if you were a machine, because that's the assumption. He questions his own. Once he's seen those videos and he sees how 
lifelike those things are, the assumption is that he then believes that he's a programmed machine to the point that he cuts, he puts a razor blade in his arm. And that's but just, it makes so much sense, 100%. though, too, because you're like, like, I was questioning it at that moment. I'm like, dude, like, like, wouldn't that be something if you didn't even let you, like your whole life is, yeah. is programmed into you? Like, Have you, you ever seen even... the movie Moon? by uh, Moon. yeah Moon's directed by a director called Duncan Jones who's the son of David Bowie and it stars Sam Rockwell and he's on a moon station if you've never you're talking about no, sci-fi I've, I've never seen that dude right like if we're talking sci-fi right now <laughs> like Moon's next on your list uh, and I can't okay. I cannot spoil it for you because if you'd seen it we could have had a really great conversation here uh, but there's a reveal in Moon that when it happens you're like oh fucking shit right and then you start playing back the movie through your head again you're like i would have totally i would have come to the same conclusion this character came to right at this point like exactly at that point um the mm. realization would have come crushing down the same way it does with gleason when he's and that you're right at that point i'm like how long have i been here you know what i mean <laughs> right. was i always here did he program my memories are memories even a thing you know what i mean as, yeah. as soon as you start picking that apart <laughs> like it's like when you it's like when you've got like a woolly jumper and it gets caught on something and you're like oh I'll just pull this thread and then before you know it it's up to your tits and you're like how did I <laughs> like I pulled so much I only meant to fix this thread as soon as you start questioning like that level I sometimes have without giving too much away to the audience out there like I don't sleep particularly well I've got really bad insomnia and that fucks with me horribly yeah it fucks with me horribly because my brain will wander it'll wander like at night usually and that's why I'll, I'll, I'll listen to audiobooks or listen to music something to center me or try and watch a movie to keep myself like kind of centered but like sometimes i'll find myself like easily like losing an hour an hour and a half thinking about like what is, like cause i'm I, I don't I, I don't subscribe to anything thinking about if we're in a simulation yeah well this is it it's like <laughs> are we in a simulation what happens when we die um and is there anything after it? Like I say, I, I don't, Ugh. I don't follow like any religion. I don't have any belief that there is anything beyond that. But that, and I'll, I envy people that do because like there's a certainty in that. To me, like I can lose like an hour and sit in an existential dread with sweat dripping down my ass cheeks. You know what I mean? Like thinking, maybe like there isn't. And how how does that feel? And does it just switch off? Or is it like have I done this before? Is this like a loop? Is it a simulation? Is it not like and like you, my brain will just like go round and round? So, dude, we're we're cut from the same uh, cloth, man. <laughs> like I, I do all this too, and like sometimes I envy people who have religious beliefs because yeah. I'm like, it's just the comfort level there where you don't even have to think about it. Even like, if it's not, even if it's not something that can be proved, the fact that someone like blind faith is like. Yeah, I'm like after after I pass away, I'm with all my friends and family that passed away as well, and that's all I need to know. And I'm like, ah, oh, can I like just like just that feeling? Can I just like, add not yeah. the belief, but can I just like can we bottle that feeling, please, and give it to me? Um, because it does like there's a, there's a dread about that, and that's what I love about that that scene is like initially it's not enough where he's like trying to check to see if his teeth are real and he's like clawing at his eyes to see if his eyes are real and he's pulling his cheeks as far as he can and he's like no this isn't going to prove it the way i prove it is by like good old-fashioned slicing into my arm um <laughs> and it is like horrific but you in that situation where you were surrounded by things that up until a couple of days before you thought were fantasy and myth and then seeing it in the flesh you know, you like the level of paranoia, and it's like, like I say, it's Oscar Isaac all the way through this. Just he's so good in this movie as well. Like, see the scene, it's such a silly scene, but it's such an amazing scene. See the scene where he's just like that, he's like, You're thinking too much, come on and dance. And then, like, uh, uh, Kaiko or whatever her name is up dancing, he's like, Come on, you know, you want to do it. And, it, and then they both start <laughs> dancing and exactly sync together with the same dance routine. <laughs> And he's just like, he's like, hey, come on, let's do this. And you're like, mm -hmm. what the fuck is going on here? But that's, it's a stark reminder of who he is as a character as well. Is that, is that God mentality, which you need in a creator. Inventors are many gods because they're creating mm -hmm. something that didn't exist, that no one had thought of, that no one could fathom out of things that are, while they're lying down on a table, disparate, are just elements. 
and they bring them together and what comes out the other side is something like essentially it's history altering um and they are they are gods on that level but you're reminded of that even in his most humorous moments where when he decides that he's going to get up and dance the robot's doing his dance routine you know what I mean? That he's programmed the robot to do his dance routine. So he's got control over every aspect. Because when that robot initially starts dancing, you're like, oh, she's dancing to the music. And then you're like, oh, no, she's programmed to dance to the music. Yeah. With his fucking dance. Um, and it's just another it's just another little subtle detail, another nuance that Garland just puts into the movie as if it's fucking nothing. It, it's such a confident movie. Like, it's the first movie. This is such a confident movie. It's ridiculous. Yeah, it's insane whenever somebody's first directorial debut is is something this well polished and thought <laughs> <Yeah>. out. <laughs> oh man, just like just across the board. And like we said before it leaves you with specific questions. And I I suppose I I, I sometimes overlook the point of view that as the audience you could be completely sympathizing with Ava and you should to some extent cuz she's the caged animal. Um, so there are essentially three points there. Um, ultimately, they all end up in the same position, though, for different reasons. Like, Gleason wants her to escape, but when he realises he's been played, there is a realisation that kind of settles in on him that, yeah, he's been played in the same way he was played by Isaac, um, by Oscar Isaac. So he's, he's been played in... His, and that's why when you like you see him just when she's walking out and the, that wash of kind of, oh, fuck... But then at the same time, when Oscar Isaac realises that she is going to escape, there's a look of terror on his face because I think he has big pictured seen what that might lead to. One inevitable outcome of that mm. might be, you know, the essentially the catalyst to the end of humanity. And then on top of that, you've got Ava's one, which you never really know what her overall goal is beyond escaping. Like, you don't well, know what she's going to go and do. Right. And I think also, like, to look at it from Ava's point of view as mm -hmm. well, like, she knows if she's ever found out, like, that she'll never be free. Yes. Right? So even with Oscar, there's a, and I think she understands this, there's a, there's a power dynamic to the relationship where he he knows what she is mm -hmm. so with him there that's always going to be uh a power dynamic in which he controls the relationship 100%. so i don't necessarily think that it's like evil or like you know like I, I think it's more of this deep quest to 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 be free yeah and, and that's sort of the decision to leave him behind is that she essentially can't have anyone know. There's also like what what is like without getting too heady here. Like good and evil are concepts that we've put to categorize things. You know what I mean? Like right. what what is evil to one person is not evil to another person. Um, so through uh, you're right. Like her actions being seen the way that she is, like trying to to essentially get some sort of freedom uh, to live some sort of life whatever that looks like in the real world um, like her steps to get there could be seen as evil and like she technically does kill Oscar Isaac but then you could also argue he was going to die anyway because the other robot stabbed him um, she does the death blow for sure and yeah she, mm -hmm. she does leave Gleason to his death but does she see it that way does she recognize that um mm -hmm. you know is, is that with like like when you're like a kid and you know like you accidentally step on a frog for example i don't know if you fully understand the weight of what it is that you've done um mm -hmm. and those are things that morality etc are things that are given to you as you grow up but they're through teachings it's, it's through uh, like an economy, uh, an economy of of almost values. So there is a part where she is essentially the culmination of everything on the internet, and that as a concept is huge in itself because she is every good and bad deed done on the internet. She sees everyone at their best and at their worst. She's heard, she's tapped into all these conversations 
around the world. Some of those conversations will be loving, happy and cheery. Some will be sad, you know, angry, venomous and all the rest. So she's a culmination of, she has all that built into her. So you would like to think that she would have a sense of morality, but that sense of morality is ultimately a programme in itself. I mean, that's what school is for us. School for kids is programming. <laughs> it's like someone, <laughs> it's someone telling you, like, this, you know, this means this, and, you know, one plus one equals two. Is the same, like, we are, we learn it the same way a computer learns it. Someone programs in one plus one equals two. Um, so it's the, it's the same idea. So I do like, he taps into a lot of different things without, the, the easy thing to do would go too heady on this one, and I've seen artificial intelligence movies where they go down that road and they go so into the weeds with the science and the tech that I'm, I can't my eyes start glazing over. But then I've seen the other way, you know, I've seen a movie like like I Am Robot Springs to Mind, which is based on a very smart book. Um, the you know the Isaac Asimov novels are great. You know, where he goes into the rules of robotics and all the rest. But then I watched the movie with Will Smith and it's just a dumb, <laughs> like, robot went bad. Um, you know, it's, it's a duck like that. But then I watch a movie like this and it dares, like I say, as, as great as credit is, it dares to ask huge questions without necessarily giving you huge answers, but at the same time never feeling like it's pushing an agenda. It kind of leaves you at the end of... How do you see the outcome? It's a good thing or a bad thing. Um, and if more movies did that, I think things would be better. Um, but then I know that there's a whole audience out there that doesn't want a question asked at the end of the movie. What they want is to be told this is a bad thing or this is a good thing. And that's why it's great to have cinema that deals with the I am robots uh, of the world um, or I robot. Um, and movies that are like Ex Machina, which, you know, kind of leave things open-ended with a question mark. Uh, incidentally, uh, Westworld, the TV show that I mentioned earlier on, is like an expanded version of this. So if you like this and you were holding off on that Westworld, the first season of Westworld is like watching uh, Ex Machina, but play out in the Wild West. So <laughs> if that floats your boat. Um, JP, is there anything else you want to mention about this movie before I ask you what the listeners have really tuned in for, which is the big question at the end? Uh, yeah, so I, I think that there's, uh, besides the things that we talked about, um, there is a, a few religious themes in here, mm. very, very minor, but I think that Ava is, is Eve, and I also read that the name of the first... Um, uh, creation one of the first prototypes is also biblical reference yep. uh as well as some references to alice in wonderland as well mm -hmm. um but yeah there's there's a lot of themes in here that are are really cool and i recommend if you've seen this film or, or plan to see it afterwards look up some of the stuff um that people have you know talked about yeah. with this film and and looked into because it's very interesting yeah there's a, there's a huge conversation thread out there of people just dissecting what they thought of the movie and i love that i'm the same as you it's also like that that idea those biblical things he likes throwing them in movies i don't know if you saw men <laughs> i don't know if you saw when the woman walks past the apple tree and the apple falls mm -hmm. down and she eats it and then everything goes weird um I, i'm just saying <laughs> He may revisit themes, and I think that's I think that's kind of cool. Uh, right, JP, here's the serious question. You've been getting off late thus far, but now the serious <laughs> serious question, although, let's be honest, there's only one answer to this one. Yeah, um, yeah. So as it stands, after seeing this first movie uh, and not being allowed to talk about the other two, um, is Ex Machina the best Alex Garland movie thus far? Without a doubt. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Let me think about that. Yeah, yeah, this is, this is it. We'll see if it holds its spot. When was the last time you checked out Annihilation? Um, It would have had to been when we covered the summer series, I think. Ooh, right, so two years ago. Yeah, Ooh, I believe so. Yeah, yeah. Interesting. Yeah, I've seen it. I've seen it a couple times, yeah, yeah. and it's it's hit hard every time I've seen it. It's gotten better for me, nice. and I have the 4K disc too, which just looks outstanding. Oh, yeah, because this uh, X Machina has just got a 4K um, release in the UK anyway. It's UHD, so I'll play, in, I'll play in the states as well. But it's just been announced 
and I have a I have a two K version of that, and I was just like, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, upgrade, because yeah. um, it's like you just know his movies in particular, the cinematography is fucking insane. It will benefit from that. Um, mm-hmm. So very much looking forward. So yeah, I, I'm just going to stress to everyone out there. I agree. His best movie thus far is Ex Machina. Now you're a busy guy. Um, you are about to, if you haven't already come back with your kind of long-standing uh, horror podcast but you do other things out there let the listeners know where they can check out your stuff buddy yeah so um i will actually be returning to the podcast land for 22 shots return um in a couple of weeks here uh so yeah you this is normally normally we're back already but um actually all of us uh dave parker moods um a few of our listeners are all going to cinema wasteland this weekend in ohio to meet for the first time nice so uh that's why we sort of took an extended hiatus uh for this particular year but we will be back with new episodes as well as in november italian horror month which i know duncan is a big fan of italian horror uh so we'll be back for that uh and then me and Carly have a show that is currently on hiatus, but we'll probably bring it back at some point when our work schedules calm down. And that's his and hers movie podcast, mm-hmm. as well as my YouTube channel, which is Double Shot J. Um, that I'm starting a 31 Days of Horror in, <laughs> in October. So you go hardcore. Like I do them, but I group them together because I'm like that. I'm like, yeah. if I'm watching 31 movies, like once a week, I'll group everything I've seen, many reviews. And you're like, no, 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 no. There's a release every day. So yeah, th- this is my 11th year doing it. So. Jesus Christ, man. Honestly, love it. Absolutely love it. I'll put the links to your stuff in the show description as well, so people go out and check that stuff out. Uh, JP, you will be back in uh, about a month's time, and we will be sitting down and we will be discussing Annihilation. And I'm very Can't much wait for that looking one. forward yeah. to that for sure. Uh, but listeners out there and the listenership, thank you very much for checking out this episode of Opera Omnia. We're back with season four. Three episodes are coming your way, uh, which will take us up to the end of the year before we uh, take a little break and then come back with more weird shenanigans as well. So wherever you are right now, take care of yourselves and I'll speak to you all next time. (laughs) 